For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 241 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhardt. And we are minus a Will Witten this week. He had some previous engagements. Oh my god. <laughs> what the fuck? What is that playing on? That wasn't me. Oh my god. What is going on? I can't figure out where... Oh, my God. The technical difficulties at the beginning. I think Will is striking at us from wherever he is. The dead speak! Oh, my God. It's a disaster from the beginning. Is that playing from my phone? It's playing from my phone. I was on the wrong oh. device. Oh. Oh. oh, Lord. Well, King Tom's here, everybody. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I guess I bring the technical difficulties this week. No, no, that's not that's not your fault. Um, we have a bunch of stuff to talk about this week. Uh, what a news-packed week of Star Wars. Lots of things to go over. So what me, King Tom and I are going to do is we're going to talk about all this stuff. And then we're going to hear from as many of you guys as possible because... As usual, you're awesome. A bunch of you wrote in and called in. We'll get to as many of those as possible. If we miss any or um, can't get to them all, we'll catch up next week. Um, boy, boy, oh boy. Uh, that, uh, that shit at the beginning has me a little rattled. Hey, check us out on social media. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Blue Harvest Pod. Um, Email us at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. We have a Patreon where if you enjoy our show, you can support us for just a couple of bucks a month and uh, get a bunch of bonus podcasts at the same time. Like the one I do with my buddy King Tom here, Masters of Harvest Kasi, where we discuss Star Wars video games. It's a lot of fun. It is. We have Blue Harvest Adventures, Star Wars Year by Podcast, Jaws, uh, so many bonus shows so check us out patreon.com slash blue harvest podcast 
And, uh, you know, hopefully you have less technical issues with that than I did with the beginning of this show. All righty. Um, give me one second. Okay. Oh, boy. All right. Um, what else was I going to do? Oh, our new segment where I read our latest reviews to try and entice people to go leave us some five-star reviews. We got a couple more this week. They're pretty good. Let's see. We got uh, on Tuesday, Notice Me Star Wars left a review that says, It is funny and makes me happy. Well, I'm very glad to hear that, buddy. I think I think that's a high compliment. Making <laughs> yeah. someone else happy. Yeah. Next up, we've got Fluppet on Monday, who left a review that says, "Love these guys. Not an ounce of pretension here." And Hall's earned my respect by not thrashing that dude, trying to heal him before the Tool concert. <laughs> I would have went to jail for impaling him with my cane. Faux show. Therefore, Hall's is a better man than I. Shout out to Will, King Tom, and Yoju's Aussie dad, if you will. And look at that, King Tom. You got a little shout out. Yeah. Um, then we have Jeff Muggs on Sunday, who said, One of my favorite Star Wars podcasts, Halls and Will, offer great insight to not only the Star Wars galaxy, but other franchises and video games as well. And they never come across as smarter than you or talk down to the audience. Look forward to listening every week. Great job. May the force be with you always. Well, thanks, buddy. And one last new one for the week. This is from Skip Magoo. I like that name. He it's a says, great, name. "Great podcast. One of my lo- one must listen pods." So, thank you very much. Uh, thanks, guys. We're co- we're creeping up on two hundred reviews. So, you guys keep at it, and uh, we really appreciate that. So, buddy. Since Will and I recorded last week, a lot of stuff has gone down in the yeah. uh, the Star Wars world. And I've gotten it all written down. I talked to you a little bit, and we made some additions. Uh, I figured we'll try to go in as close to chronological order of these things happening as possible. Okay. So just a couple hours after Will and I finished recording last week, uh, the Clone Wars came back. Season 7 yep. of The Clone Wars debuted on Disney Plus with its first episode. And, uh, man, it was nice to have Clone Wars back, I gotta say. It it was. You know, I, I woke up early, like I did for The Mandalorian, and it was nice to kind of start Friday off again that way. I didn't complain too much about waking up early. And the particular storyline, I'd rather see something like the... Anakin and Ahsoka and Obi-Wan or the Mandalorians, you know, clones by themselves (coughs) aren't, aren't something I'm interested in a lot, but I still thought it was a, it was an all right episode. Yeah. The clone centric stuff in Clone Wars was never my favorite stuff. I'm with you on Mm -hmm. that a hundred percent of the way. Not that they didn't find ways to make those stories interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. And by introducing the Bad Batch in this episode, they found an interesting hook for me, at least. And uh, the idea of having these genetically modified clones who are have like specific mutations that make them really good at one thing, I think is a neat concept. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I know this is a matter of personal preference and 
Some people agree or disagree, but to me, Clone Wars is still the best-looking Star Wars animated show. I could, I could definitely see that. Um, I mean, it's I, I like Rebels. Uh, if I had to choose between the two, I mean, I'd rather watch Rebels than Clone Wars. But at the same time, Clone Wars is 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 a lot better looking. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not saying that Rebels or Resistance looks bad by any means. I'm not here to like. You know, the first season or two of Rebels looked a little sparse as far as detail and, like, crowds and things went. But as it went on, it got better. And to be honest, so did Clone Wars. Clone Wars looks way better in the last couple of seasons versus the first season and the movie. Yeah. Um, But I don't know. Maybe it's just because I over so many episodes, you know, Clone Wars still has quite a bit more episodes than the other series. Maybe I've just had more time to get used to it and grow fond of it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I really like the style and I think something about it's just, it's not a ton more serious than the other two shows, but it's just like a tiny bit more serious and has a little bit less of like the slapsticky stuff that the other two did. And Mm -hmm. I I find, for me personally, that's sort of the sweet spot of Star Wars animation. Mm. Um, You know, just for me. So, um, this this episode comes from... So, if I'm not mistaken, so I was never someone to go and watch the animatic versions of the unproduced episodes. I know they showed off you know, some of the episodes that didn't get finished in, like, rough form. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this was one of those arcs, right? Didn't they show? Yeah, it was. I want to say it was at one of the celebrations, maybe the one that was in in England. Oh. And they they, okay. they showed the animatics there, and then I think they had them on, on the official YouTube channel for a while. Yeah, because there was also the Crystal Crisis one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I, I was going into this episode pretty fresh, having not watched the animatics. Right. I um, didn't I didn't watch it either. And I, I've heard there were some changes, but nothing a, a lot more Anakin, if if that could be believed, because it didn't feel like Anakin and his new emo hair were a huge part of the episode. No, no, it didn't at all. I mean, Anakin shows up. Uh, Mace Windu shows up. Right. And yeah. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, and then the clones are off on their mission. Um, the the whole sort of driving story behind this arc seems to be this idea that the droids have started adapting, right, to Republic, um, like, strategies and stuff. Yeah. And they get, like, is it Rex that gets a sneaky suspicion? He's like, I've worked with these strategies with uh, Echo. Yeah, I think it's... I think it is Rex who figures it out. Yeah, and, and like so they go to sort of try and figure out um, how this is all going down. They bring in the Bad Batch. Uh, the one thing that I came away from is I think there is an excellent Star Wars video game in the concept of the Bad Batch. Yeah, it's kind of like you're putting together your your best team fortress squad right in a way yeah your best team fortress or your best overwatch squad or something right Um, yeah 
I could just see a really cool sort of third person action shooter game where mm -hmm. maybe you switch between the different members of the bad batch when you need to do certain tasks. So, you know, if, if you're pinned down by snipers, you can switch mm -hmm. over to crosshair and use his sniping abilities and stuff. Honestly, it's not too far away from the concept that they did with um, Republic Commando. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I, I think that could be a really fun game. I think um, I think it could be too, especially with today's technology, because they could mm -hmm. make it m look a lot more like the animated series than ever before. Yeah, honestly, I could. I think it would be very achievable to where it looked like you were playing an episode or an arc of the show. Like yeah. I think that animated style and things would be super cool in a video game and. You know there would be all kinds of Clone Wars fans out there. Like, man, that talk about servicing a, a very fervent fan base of Star Wars. Like a Clone Wars video game. It's been a little while since they've done one of those. Yeah, it, yeah, I think so. The last one I remember was Republic. I think it's called Clone Wars Republic Heroes or something. It came out like, I want to say during the first season. Of Clone yeah, Wars. that sounds that sounds right. I wasn't into Star Wars gaming at that point too much. I think that was after the Force Unleashed one, right? It was, and it it was. Uh, I ended up playing it on the Xbox 360, and it was okay. okay. It had sort of like a Contra feel to it. So yeah, it was, it was sort of like a run and gun game, and um, different levels you played as different characters. So you would play as a mix of clones and Jedi and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't awful by any means, but definitely not memorable. I think there is a much more memorable sort of immersive experience that they could do um, in the Clone Wars universe as far as video games are concerned. Mm -hmm. um, so what's the, what's the big Spider Dicks dude's name? I always forget his name. Oh, um, is it Trench? Is, is it Trench or is Trench the shark guy? No, the shark guy is Rift Tampson. That's right. So, yeah, I think it is Trench then. Robbo, because I was talking with, uh, you know, as part of the Steel chat, uh, Robbo had uh, the Pope Tarantula or something like that. <laughs> so I just kept, I've in my head, he has been rechristened as the Pope. Nice. Um, yeah, they, they sure did bring him back, didn't they? Yeah, I, I don't remember him being as jacked up with cybernetics. Last. Yeah, or the gold details that he had going on. I don't remember that either. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been a while since I've seen his episode. He's a, yeah. Am I wrong, or is he actually in the Clone Wars movie? I think is he? he is. Oh. Yeah, it, it is Trench. Okay. Um, I always get... And I, the thing is, I used to get him confused with the one... Uh, large, larger than usual, Nemoidian played by uh, George Takei. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Man, I am dying for a chronological order option on Disney Plus for the Clone yeah. Wars. You think they would enhance the service that way? Yeah, and maybe that maybe they will once season seven is done, since that'll pretty much be it for Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've seen so many people talk about it. So hopefully they listen eventually. Cause I'd love to know where this fits in to the, the 
you know, the whole timeline of Clone Wars. I don't think I've seen anybody say where I it wanna, fits in. I want to say that Matt Martin said something last Friday. Oh, really? And I don't remember exactly what it was. I think it was something along the lines of he can't say when this fits overall, but the entire season is told in chronological order. Oh, okay. So he can't say where it fits, but this is like the whole season. So then they, it would have to be towards the end, I would guess, because... I think so. Yeah, because um, we know that Siege of Mandalore sort of butts up with Revenge of the Sith, and I'm assuming that's the last arc we get in Clone yeah. Wars. And I, I recently started rereading the Ahsoka novel, mm -hmm. and the very introduction of the book talks about Ahsoka and the Siege of Mandalore and her facing off with Maul. Right, right. I remember that. And that's gotta be some, I mean, we've seen it in the trailers. That's shit we'll see. Yeah. In, yeah. Um, you know, that art. So that, that's, that's the type of stuff, like, I, I can understand why they're leading off with what, with the clones. Yeah. But that other stuff is what's getting me really excited. Yeah, me too. Like, I enjoyed the episode, but... Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's. I don't know. I well, it's also an, an issue of needing to see the full arc of what they yeah. do with the Bad Batch and stuff. It could be turn out to be something I uh, end up liking a whole lot. But you also have to keep in mind that because of the way they told Clone Wars, and it was a mix of like Jedi stories and clone stories and separatist stories and everything. They sort of have to work each of those elements in as much as they can to try and make all the different like you have like our buddy Corey, who's a huge clones fan so this arc is right up his alley uh yeah. you know you have like us that's really interested in the siege of mandalore and anakin and ahsoka and obi-wan well we'll we'll get that eventually mm -hmm. so you know they got 12 ep episodes to work with i imagine you know have they specified what the second arc is going to be I don't think I've read I anything. I want to say that. it 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 involves Ahsoka on the run. Oh, okay. And people she meets up with. Okay. Well, then that'll yeah. tie in pretty nicely with uh, the Siege of Mandalore so. stuff. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, then, really, then the last two arcs, assuming that these are like four episode arcs or whatever, mm -hmm. um, I guess will be fairly heavy Ahsoka centric. Yeah, I almost wonder, though, if the last episode will be part of an arc or just a big finale. I don't want to say montage, but for lack of a better term, or maybe filled with like vignettes revisiting everything while at the same time something that can be played alongside or interspersed with Revenge of the Sith. Oh, so almost like a an epilogue episode. Yeah, yeah. because from the trailer, we've seen it. You know, they, they will show scenes from Revenge of the Sith just from different angles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's that's pretty interesting to me. Um, yeah. And we know from, like, one of the celebration panels that the whole story element of Anakin gifting, like, half of his clone battalion to Ahsoka to help her with the Siege of Mandalore happens mm -hmm. because he and Obi-Wan get called back to Coruscant, right? right? Yeah. So that's those two things sort of run in parallel, and then I I imagine we'll probably see Ahsoka dealing with Order sixty six. 
I think, yeah, that, I, I, I think you would have to have that in the last episode. And now that they, you know, that it's interesting that they're going back to Clone Wars in the way that they have because they can work in uh, Rex um, sort of resisting Order 66. Yeah, which I think would be great. And it does make me wonder because, you know, they said they've, they've had all these arcs planned out forever. Did they stick with the original story or have they changed it based on new material like you know to, to fit in better with rebels maybe even the mandalorian or are they going to go with you know are they going to do a how i met your mother and stick with what they had planned from the beginning even though situations have changed yeah i don't know i guess we'll see well i mean even if we see rex resist order 66 and stuff mm-hmm. was that always part of the plan or right. You know, I, I don't know. That would be something I'd be interested to see somebody ask at a panel or something. Like, was mm-hmm. that always the plan for Rex, or did you guys decide to change that so it would um, link up with Rebels better? And if that is the case, I don't care. Like, I would much rather them change it to fit the stuff they've already established. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, me too. But yeah, overall, I'd say it was an enjoyable episode. I like um, I like the Bad Batch quite a bit. I like Wrecker, mm-hmm. and I like yeah. uh, who's old John J. Rambo Hunter. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think so. I, I like him so. quite a bit too. I guarantee you, we see an uptick in uh, clone uh, cosplay, specifically Bad Batch cosplay at Celebration this year. I think so. Speaking a lot of which, of, a lot of going to be a lot of face tattoos. Yeah. Speaking of which, I saw something on today. Apparently, it's uh, exactly six months until celebration. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty cool. But I can't believe it's that close. I know. Well, think about this time last year. We were only a couple of months away from celebration. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm excited for celebration. I'm wondering exactly what they're going to have in store. As far as reveals and stuff, mm-hmm. um, it could either be really exciting. I mean, I think there will be things that are exciting at Celebration. Obviously, uh, a panel for the second season of Mandalorian that's got mm-hmm. you know potential to be fairly exciting. Um, a panel for whatever the next animated show is, I wouldn't be surprised if that's something we see. Mm-hmm. Um, 40th anniversary of Empire Strikes Back. And then do we have a panel about the future of Star Wars movies or anything? I'm not sure. I don't know. They always used to have, the, was it the, they called it the future filmmakers mm-hmm. panel? Yeah. They only did that twice. They did it in 2015 uh, okay. when Josh Trank didn't show up and they're like, oh, he's sick. He's pooping. Mm-hmm. He's pooping everywhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Um, yeah, but they had Gareth Edwards there, and that's when they showed that trailer that was never released to the public mm-hmm. uh, for Rogue One of the TIE fighter flying over the like jungle planet or whatever. Did you ever see the thing? I, I'm sorry to derail it, but no. um, someone you know compared the video of that because it, it it is on YouTube. It's the same exact like camera motion and everything as the end of Solo. Really? Yeah, like the way that the, it pans over the planet and kind of up, it, it's the same as right before the reveal of Lando in 
at the casino at the very end. It's it's huh. it's pretty cool. Yeah, I did not realize that. I'll have to look into that. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, and then I think they did one in 2016 mm-hmm. at uh, 2016. Yeah, 2016 at Celebration Europe, where they had Phil Lord and Christopher Miller are there. Yeah, and to, I think Ryan was there too. I, you probably. I think you're right about that. Uh, talking about their movies. Um, and then they haven't done one of those since. They didn't do one at 2017, and they didn't do one in 2019 either. I'd be mm-hmm. excited if they were to bring that back, just because we got to start getting some news sometime. Yeah. You brought up to me before we recorded that um, apparently someone found a updated release schedule for Disney movies that came out earlier this month, right? Yeah, it it's as of February 3rd, 2020. So according to that release schedule, they still have a Star Wars movie slated for December 2022. Yeah, 2022, 2024, and 2026. All the the same dates that we had earlier. Right, which were originally going to be the Game of Thrones guys movies. Yeah. Obviously, that's not the case anymore. So they are really planning to get a movie slotted in for 2022. I sure hope it's something that's in the works already. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, our next story that we're going to segue into, you know, we have no sort of indication of when this movie, this possible movie that's being bandied about is set for, but we, we got some news on some people that have been tapped to develop a new star Wars movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, this came out Friday afternoon, and the Hollywood Reporter, as far as I can tell, were the first to report it. Things they got a were. little screwy after that. <laughs> yep. But apparently, director DJ, director J.D. Dillard and Luke Cage writer Matt Owens have been tapped to develop a project, but it is unclear whether it is a theatrical or Disney Plus release. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just says that uh, J.D. Dillard, who was known for writing and directing the sci-fi thriller Slight, which I'm going to check out this weekend, I think. Um, and Matt Owens, a writer for the Marvel shows, Luke Cage and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., have been tapped to develop. Um, it's undecided whether the project will be for the big screen or Disney's highly prioritized streaming platform. So, you know, in the past few months... And even going back further than then, there's been these little stories popping up. about, Like, you remember probably about a year ago, I guess, the story came out about the lady who was hired to write a Knights of the Old Republic movie. I can't mm-hmm. remember her name. Nothing has come up about that since. Jason Ward said that was floated out there because I tweeted about that. I don't maybe about six months or so ago. And he replied basically saying that they just put her name out there to try and get some other contracts moving. Mm. And I don't think it was under serious consideration. Uh, Well, that's a bummer. Yeah. Uh, And then, of course, we have the news about Kevin Feige. We have the possible news about Taika Waititi, even though he hasn't really. It's hard to tell. Is he seriously mm-hmm. saying he's not been approached or had talks about it? Or is he being a good, like, company man and not, you know, is he doing the Ewan McGregor thing where he's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. 
Right. But if let's live in a world where all these rumors are true, all these people it, have been brought on to sort of develop and pitch things. It's clear that there's stuff going on behind the scenes. They're trying to figure out the next phase of Star Wars movies. Mm -hmm. And there's also Ryan Johnson, too. Ryan Johnson, of course. How could I forget? So there's all these things on the table. One of them has to be in line for 2022, unless it's completely separate and something we don't know about yet. Um. Honestly, with Ryan Johnson moving forward with a Knives Out sequel, I think that takes him out of the running for 2022. And I don't ever think he was planned. I think it's pretty obvious he wasn't planned to right. be the 2022 movie with them stating that it was going to be D.B. Weiss and David Lindel, or not Lindelof, Benioff. Yeah. Uh, doing um, the 2022 movie. So I just... Like, I hope if they're, they are planning for that 2022 slot to still be a Star Wars movie, that that's well underway and well in the works now. Yeah. I don't want this to be another rushed situation. No, I think I think we're so used to the every year or every, every other year for the trilogy movies, and we're, we're used to that quick turnaround. And I think we're, you know, a lot of us are thinking, well... The next Star Wars movie is coming in 2021 and they're behind. No, it's a year after that. So right. if you look at, you know, where we are and how far out that's been under other Disney Star Wars movies, I still think we're in a good place right now. Yeah, I don't think it's anything to be super worried about because that movie could shoot at the beginning of 2022 and still yeah. make the release date for, for, for it to be more comfortable and less of like a rushed production. Towards the end of 2021, fall or winter of 2021 would work fine. You know, yeah. sort of a similar shooting schedule to what The Last Jedi went under. Which mm -hmm. actually, The Last Jedi technically started filming before uh, Episode 7 was even out, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it did the, the some of the stuff on... Um, <laughs> Skellig. On, yeah, Skellig. I was looking, thinking of the name. So, you know, as long as it's filming by sometime next year, then we're, we're probably good to go. Uh, yeah. I just, you know, get and we're, it makes me a little nervous because if they're doing a completely new era, if they're doing a completely new set of characters or any of this stuff, that to me seems like that would take longer to develop than mm -hmm. Any of the Star Wars theatrical movies we've seen so far, because they've all relied so heavily on elements that we're used to, you know, a sequel, yeah. the sequels to Return of the Jedi, uh, mm -hmm. which, let's be honest, relied heavily on original trilogy like iconography, X-wings and Tie Fighters and things like that, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're coming up with completely brand new, fresh Star Wars, I just imagine that has to take more time. Mm -hmm. um, I think so. And is it something you're going to do? Because they, it, it, Kathleen said a few months ago, they don't want to do trilogies anymore. But is it something they're going to do as a one shot or something to lay the ground for follow ups? Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope that whole. If a story fits a trilogy format, then please do a trilogy. But if you mm -hmm. can tell a good story in two movies. Yeah tell a good story in two movies if you need four movies do it in four whatever it takes i don't really 
I don't know how interested I am in one shots. Mm -hmm. Like part of my disconnect with Solo and Rogue One, both movies I enjoy, I'm not shitting on these movies, but is the fact that they are sort of one and done stories. I I don't have, Mm -hmm. besides Cassian, which is a prequel, I don't have a whole lot to look forward to seeing more of those characters and their adventures. That was always part of the fun of Star Wars is there's always the next adventure to look forward to, even if it takes us years to get it, you know? Yeah. So I just hope that they don't completely go the route of one shots. And I don't, I can't see them doing that. No, I don't think they, I think they might jump around. Right. But I think anything they do, they want to leave the door open for future follow-ups. Yeah. And there was the, um, there was the rumor, I believe this came from Jason, that uh, maybe on their latest episode, he was talking about that he heard, at, at least at one point when the Obi-Wan stuff was going down, they were examining turning that back into a movie. Mm-hmm. I, I guess that could be the 2022 movie. Um, I don't know how I'd feel about that because I've become so accustomed to the idea of this being a story told over six parts or eight parts. Six hours with you and McGregor. Right, instead of, you know, a two and a half hour movie at the most. Right. Not that I wouldn't be excited, but I've just, I'm so, like, hyped on the idea of, like, it being the longer TV format. Mm -hmm. And I Um, think, you said it, the longer TV format. I think there's something to, and this goes back to Lost, and other shows like that, something you can follow every week. Mm-hmm. And it just gives you more time. Like think of, like think if you tried to tell the story of the first season of Mandalorian mm-hmm. in a conventionally linked movie, there would be so much cool little character stuff that you would lose out on. Not that yeah. it wouldn't have made a cool movie, but you mm-hmm. would have lost out on a lot of that stuff. Absolutely. Like, do you even do the Jawa thing if you turn Mandalorian to a movie? Probably not, you know? Yeah, you don't. You probably don't do the space station. No, you definitely don't do the space station, the one with Sh- Bill Burr and all those. Right, you yeah. sure as hell don't do Toro Calican. No. Although that might, be, that might be a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Despite what other uh, podcasters of ill repute might say he only ill repute because he's so damn into this Toro Calican thing. Um, yeah, I think you would lose out on a lot of cool things. And I I could see that being the same way with Obi-Wan. Although, uh, a little bit of news about Obi-Wan came out this week. Mm -hmm. Um, this is sort of jumping around, but, uh, apparently the Obi-Wan show or movie, whatever it is, is, is going by the working title Pilgrim. That it's that's its sort of code name title. We get those from time to time with Star Wars. Episode seven was Space Bear. Um, uh, Return of the Jedi had one, but I can't put my finger on it. It was probably dumb. <laughs> you know, probably not something worth bringing up. <laughs> sure, uh, we'll go with that. And um, it, you know. I think that's probably a good thing. You don't give something yeah. a code word if it's if it's not gonna if you're not still planning on it happening. Or I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm excited to see what any of these these folks come up with. I would just like some sort of announcement on what the direction is. 
Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let me think here. So Star Wars, uh, Disney bought Lucasfilm in... October of 2012. October of 2012. J.J. was announced like early the next year, right? Yeah. Being the director. Yeah, I think it was officially January, but he was... uh, The art of The Force Awakens book said he was working at the ranch coming up with ideas a few weeks before the official announcement. Right. Right. And there's even that part in the... um, the making of force awakens documentary on the blu-ray where mm-hmm. Kathleen Kennedy's like, so I guess you all heard that it leaked to the press, but uh, you know, we've signed JJ Abrams on to do episode seven. Yeah. Um, and so if you think about that, like he had three years essentially to work on that movie. Mm-hmm. Well, originally they were having Michael Arndt write it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then he backed out in, was it August of 2013 i think you're right mm-hmm. so he and kasdan wrote it over about a six-month period right and then it was 2014 like march 2014 when the cast was announced yeah i want either march or april it yeah. was right around that time of year yeah with the the now famous sort of black and white table reading yep image so i just hope I hope they're not scrambling. I hope they have a, you know, a some some sort of plan in place, some sort of idea. I hope all these pitches that they're getting now and all these people that are signing on aren't like, okay, you need to come in and you need to come up with a movie for 2022 and you got to come up with it fast. Yeah. Um, regardless of how I feel about episode nine, and I know you are a fan as well, it's clear that it was rushed. Yeah. And it's, Definitely. it's clear that a little more time in the oven would have benefited that movie greatly. And I just don't want the first movie post Skywalker saga has to come out strong, I think, mm-hmm. for the best case scenario for Star Wars. And I, I, yeah. either strong or at least drama free in terms of production. Yes, both would be nice, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't yeah. think you need. Even, um, you know, depending on the budget and how much they spend on this thing, I think Star Wars fans and people in general need to come become accustomed to, like, maybe not every Star Wars movie hits the billion-dollar mark. Mm-hmm. You know, there's plenty of Marvel movies that come out and don't cross a billion, but they're still well-received, and they still make a lot of money. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Doctor Strange, the Ant-Man movies... Do they do the crazy business that Endgame or Black Panther or Captain Marvel do? No, but they still make their money and, you know, are still considered a success. Even Ragnarok, I think, made like 800 or 900 million. Yeah. And look what an awesome movie that is. And look how beloved that movie is. Yeah. The Guardians movies. It's you're you're absolutely (laughs) right. You don't need to have a billion dollar movie. Right. But you also don't need a solo a $300 million, you know, a $300 right. million dollar movie. Yeah. So, <clears throat> all right. So next up on the sort of timeline of Star Wars stuff was Toy Fair. New York Toy Fair went down this weekend. Um, I actually sat down on Saturday and watched uh, a bit of the Hasbro stream for their presentation. I managed to catch the Marvel Legends bit, the mm-hmm. G.I. Joe bit, and the Star Wars bit. Um, 
I got to say, they showed off some very cool Star Wars stuff, stuff that I was very excited for. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, I had already seen a 90% of it, either because of leaks or because some of this stuff was already showing up in stores. Um, one of their big announcements was this big uh, Empire Strikes Back initiative, which makes sense. It's the 40th anniversary. And uh, along with that, they're doing Star Wars 40th anniversary Black Series figures like they did for A New Hope. So six-inch back Black Series figures on retro-style cards, which look really cool. Uh, the first wave of those was was showing up in stores like a month before Toy Fair, before the official announcement. Mm-hmm. So, good luck or good job keeping that one in the bag and blowing us all away. Uh, must have been bad robot in, uh, arranging that one. <laughs> yeah, for real. Uh, it's just I don't know. It, it kind of made me a little bummed because right before Star Wars was the Marvel presentation mm-hmm. and. Uh, I was talking about this with Chris Fresh. Like, I'm glad I'm not a super Marvel Legends collector because they are getting so much cool stuff. Oh, like, really? Yeah, and it made me a little jealous. Like, they're getting a whole wave based off of uh, Age of Apocalypse. Oh, with, nice. With... I, I I haven't seen any of the stuff, but that sounds pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to be picking up a morph if I can find one because he was one mm-hmm. of my favorite characters from Age of Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, besides that, they're bringing out a, a retro Spider-Man line that looks really cool. They're bringing out all kinds of unreleased, so far, X-Men figures, including, like, a Hugh Jackman Wolverine and a Josh Brolin Deadpool. Like, they're covering so many bases with Marvel Legends, and it all looks so cool. Mm-hmm. And then when and they're, the, all, they're all like twenty twenty five dollar figures. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're the, the same price range as your like your black series, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you get to the Star Wars side of things, it's a lot of repacks. It's a lot of figures we've already seen, just in new packaging. Mm-hmm. Granted, the packaging looks cool and it lines up with the fortieth anniversary of a very well regarded Star Wars movie, so it makes sense. But it's also kind of a bummer. Um, not that there wasn't a lot of, you know, Star Wars stuff that looked cool and that I was interested in. It just seemed like other brands at Toy Fair had a more exciting showing. Um, lots of Baby Yoda stuff. Of course. <laughs> lots of Baby Yoda stuff, which makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, I don't know, man. I was expecting to see something, you know, crazy. Some some more Mandalorian stuff. Mm-hmm. Um some more rise of skywalker stuff because that hasn't even been covered all that well as far as hasbro goes Uh, i heard there there wasn't any rise of skywalker stuff well nothing that we hadn't already seen they showed off zori bliss that's Mm -hmm. a black series figure that's coming it looks cool but it's once again something we'd already seen um yeah they also said during the conference that over the next few months they're going to have a lot more to show with star wars that they're sort of spreading it out so they said they have some big reveals coming on may the 4th and i think maybe some comic-con stuff so you know there's stuff coming it's just i don't know i I, it just seems like as far as cool and it's 
honestly not been all that different from other toy fairs because toy fairs happen so early in the year and Lucasfilm is on such lockdown with secrecy that they don't show off a ton of new stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I guess I was just hoping for some things that would get me a little more excited. Uh, they got a Black Series snow speeder that's coming out and comes with a DAC. It looks cool. It isn't looks it huge. isn't it going to be huge because it's Black Series? Yeah, it's from what they said it's the biggest vehicle they've ever done besides that giant um tie fighter that they did when the Force Awakens came out. Mm-hmm. Uh and it, it looks cool. Um they got a new vintage collection Slave 1 coming out. I'm all about that. They've got a Darth uh Revan lightsaber coming out that looks pretty cool. I'd like to see them doing some uh, Knights of the Old Republic stuff. Uh, I guess we'll just see what's mm-hmm. in store. You know, I would imagine that at some point they're going to have to lean heavily into Clone Wars and Mandalorian because that's the only new stuff we're getting. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Um, we'll see. We shall see. <clears throat> All right. Now, here's a big one. Here's a big topic we can sink our teeth into. This Monday, February 24th, we finally found out what the High Republic yep. is all about. Long have I waited. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, when was it? Was it Comic-Con last year that they first started talking about the it whole was, Project Luminous thing? I think it was around this time last year. Oh, wow. So it's been even longer. Yeah. And not only have you had official channels say, oh, we're working on this thing, we'll tell you about sometime in the future, but we've had the authors, and many of these are delightful people, and I I love their work, but they will be tweeting at each other, oh, hee hee, you remember what we did last weekend when we were talking about that thing we can't talk about? Shut up. Yeah. Just yeah. stop it. <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean. Uh, and it's been this big question. I remember when they first started talking about project luminous and that it would be revealed in um 2020 i i bet you if you go look back in our dm conversations on twitter you'll have a message from me being like i don't know why they're making such a big deal about this it's just going to be like a from a certain point of view book but centered around empire i think that's what a lot of us thought it would be because the whole luminous Luminous mm-hmm. beings are we, not this crude matter. It comes from such a iconic part of Empire. You could see how it all ties in. Mm-hmm. And then I don't remember, what, what has it been? About two months ago? A month ago? Two months ago? This is when the High Republic chatter really started online. Yeah, it was the first week of January. Um, you had a few different sources saying that it was going to... And the original thing was that it was four to five hundred years before mm-hmm. Phantom Menace, and it was supposed to tie into the Benioff and Weiss movie, but they bailed. But they decided to go through with it anyway, and it was going to be a multimedia production. Right, and that was kind of half right, half wrong. Yeah, you know, there was talk of video games, movies, like it, it, all kinds of things, which I guess we technically don't know for sure that none of that's in the works or being right. talked about. But they, as, they've, they've said that to this point, none of that has been planned as part of this. Okay. Mm. I could definitely see that being the case. I could also see in it being one of those situations where it's like, well, why would I tell you if you asked me that? 
Yeah. You know, like, am I going to be like, yes, there's these other things. Um, and uh, they've sort of, since the announcement said, like, we're basically creating a new sandbox in the Star Wars universe for people to play around with. It's starting with publishing. But if it goes any other places, it's there to be explored. Yeah, so I think the, that's a perfect way of putting it. Yeah. Um, and this is the sort of um, main press release that was released on StarWars.com on Monday. Um, later this year, Lucasfilm will launch an epic new era of Star Wars storytelling that will be explored through multiple voices in adult and young adult novels, children's books, and comics from a variety of publishers, including Disney Lucasfilm Press, Del Rey, IDW Publishing, and Marvel. Star Wars The High Republic, which has previously been referred to as Project Luminous, will be set in an era when the Galactic Republic and Jedi Order are at their zenith, about 200 years before the events of Star Wars The Phantom Menace. Um, And it says in this, this period on the Star Wars timeline will not overlap any of the filmed features or series currently planned for production giving creators and partners a vast amount of room to tell Star Wars story with new adventures and original characters. So they sort of lay it out right there. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really, I'm actually pretty damn excited about this. This has me more excited for Star Wars books and comics and stuff than I have been in quite a little bit. The, The Rise of Kylo Ren has me pretty sucked in, but this really... Like, I like the idea of a brand new story and a brand new era that I can learn new characters, find my new favorite. You know what I mean? Like, explore this new era, um, which is kind of why I wanted them to do that with the the movies and stuff, too. So, uh, it's doing what I want to see in the movies, so it's got me really excited, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And yeah. they, they weren't super forthcoming with a lot of details, but they did give us some interesting little tidbits here and there. Um, mm-hmm. One of which, the, all I needed to hear, the thing that, that they said about this that got mm-hmm. me sucked in, and I was like, well, that's all I need to know is Jedi Knights of the Round Table. Yep. I am all about Arthurian legend and stuff. Like, that's something I've been into since I was a kid. Did you ever see that movie Excalibur? A, a long time ago. I fucking love that cheesy ass movie so Mm -hmm. give me that in star wars and i'm full on in uh they showed off a lot of cool artwork and you know something about this unlike other projects it's not the publisher coming up with their own designs or using discarded designs for toys or from the movies they actually had doug chang and um ian mckaig who have been with Lucasfilm since the prequels, designing stuff specifically for this. They've had Phil Noto, a really good comic artist. He's been designing stuff. So they're, they have been coming up with material just for this, which is impressive the type of resources they're putting into it. Yeah, and it, it looks like they honestly took the approach, the same approach they would to developing a movie for this yeah. literature project, right? Like, Yep. Bringing concept artists and and like sitting down with essentially a big story group of some of the best Star Wars writers, Charles Sewell, Claudia Gray, um, 
uh, I'm gonna uh, the guy that wrote Last Shot. Uh, yeah, Daniel Jose Older. Yes, uh, and sat down with them and like just hashed this out. And it, seemingly for a couple of years now, they've been working yeah. on this. Yeah, they said originally they started talking about this as far back as 2014, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of the conferences specifically about this were early 2018. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and they announced a whole hell of a lot of books. Yeah, and, and this is this is just phase one. Yeah, and in in as as sort of summary or not summary synopsises for these mm-hmm. books and stuff have come out, you kind of get a feeling about what the jumping off point. Yep, is. And one of the things that they sat down and talked about that interested them is what do the Jedi fear? Mm-hmm. And they talked a lot about about these enemies called the Nile. Yeah. Which are basically Star Wars Vikings, as they've described them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they didn't specifically mention this in the conference, but as books went up for pre-order and stuff, they kind of established that there's this... It all kicks off with a big disaster, Right. Mm-hmm. And it appears that this big disaster is that something happens with hyperspace. How would you describe it? Like, I would say it's like ships get knocked out of hyperspace randomly. Galaxy-wide. Galaxy-wide, yeah. And something causes that, and we don't know what. Um, and then there seems to be some weird force shenanigans going on, too. According yeah. to so, what we'll do is we'll go through these, and I've got some of the synopsises that people have found, and I'll just go through them in order. And if you've heard anything that I miss, please jump mm-hmm. in. Okay. Um. So we have <clears throat> one of the books is Into the Dark by Claudia Gray. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one's probably that one's going to be a young adult, but her young adult novels are just as good as. I don't know. Do you call them adult novels? Because adult novels sounds like something else. Like something that you like wear a trench coat and like a fedora to hide your face. Yeah, and you get in a paperback. Like every – well, no, I was about to say everything she's done in Star Wars has been sort of under the YA young adult banner. But I wouldn't say uh, Bloodlines was. Would you? I don't think so. Uh, Maybe – I know Leia, Princess of Alderaan, and – um, Lost Stars definitely were. Bloodline might not have been. You're, you might be right about that. Right. And, and, and Master and Apprentice I don't think was either. Regardless, I've been a fan of every one of Like, she's oh. one that I actually keep up with as far as the books go. She's yeah. great. So, really excited to see her involved in this. And this is the synopsis. Uh, Padma- Padawan Reef Silas is being sent from the cosmopolitan galactic capital of Coruscant to the undeveloped frontier, and he couldn't be less happy about it. He'd rather stay at the Jedi Temple studying the archives. But when the ship he's traveling on is knocked out of hyperspace in a galactic-wide disaster, Wreath finds himself at the center of the action. The Jedi and their traveling companions find refuge on what appears to be an abandoned space station. But then strange things start happening, leading the Jedi to investigate the truth behind the mysterious station— a truth that could end in st- tragedy. I, I is, mean, it a, is it a smoke monster? Oh, I hope so. Oh, I hope so. Do you know how excited I would be? That would, that would be great. That would be great. John Locke shows up <laughs> for some reason. Um, so there's you know a mention of this whole ships being pulled out of hyperspace. 
Now, do the Nile have something to do with that? Is this something that they're, how do they tie into this whole galactic-wide disaster? They, They sound more like, you know, pirates and thieves. Right. Yeah, so I don't. It, it would be it would be cool, but I just don't know if it would be them or someone else using them as puppets. Who mm-hmm. knows? And uh, I forgot to bring this up during the they put out sort of a trailer on the Star Wars mm-hmm. YouTube, and they showed a lot of like behind the scenes footage of them working on this stuff, and they showed a, a whiteboard, and people are flipping <laughs> out about this whiteboard, oh. right? Yeah. Um, and they had like this this whiteboard of things that they would like to work into there and what is star wars all about and it's like you know authentically lived in surprise diversity feelings relatable characters sweeping epic humor yeah like that's it sums up star wars yeah uh and then not pro war whoo did the asshole boys get up in arms about that they, they must have never seen that that one movie where the guy said wars not make one great mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah or where the whole point of the goddamn prequels was Padme Amidala, one of the good guys trying to keep the galaxy from getting in war. Yeah. Droids, scope, mythic, space, and lightsaber battles. So where does the lightsaber battles thing come in play? You know, we we talked yeah. about this over the past couple of months. The Sith can't outwardly be a threat. They're in hiding mm-hmm. at this point. So um no single main characters, the force, complicated monsters. Uh, and then under, this is my favorite section, under Star Wars Wishes. Yeah. It says, High Republic, Relic Hunters, University, Dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> representation in Diversity, Arthurian Legend, Rival Houses, Sith Empire, Chaos Agents, and Splinter Group Force Users. I like that last one, too. Yeah, I like all of that. Like, all of that sounds rad to me. The idea of rival Jedi houses, which I assume mm-hmm. that's what they're referring to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just so much cool stuff that they could draw from there. There is one thing that was on there I don't think you mentioned, uh, but had, had gotten a lot of talk in the past few days. Someone said uh, an actual ending. Yes. And a lot of people thought, oh, that means they hate the, the Rise of Skywalker. Ha ha. They hate JJ, JJ's in it. No. No, that's not the case because the people who are saying that are forgetting or not realizing that this whiteboard is from 2018. Mm-hmm. And if anyone in that room knew about the Rise of Skywalker, the, it was only one person and his name was Pablo Hidalgo. Yeah, I, I seriously doubt. Like as, as ingrained – as these people are with Star Wars, like they were so secretive with this movie. I don't think that they clued, they weren't like, well, right. you guys need to know the ep- ending of episode nine to mm-hmm. adequately write this thing 200 years before right. the Phantom Menace. No, I mean, eh, I think to me, when I see that an actual ending, it's that they want to have it planned out. They want to have an end point in mind and know how this all wraps up. Yeah. In relation to the prequels and stuff that are right. to come a couple hundred years later. I'm sure that there will be things that tie into stuff in the prequels. Mm-hmm. Like there might be a character saying, oh, I found this boy and I will call him Plagueis or something like that. But there's not going to be a, you know, the bad guy escapes in an escape pod. and You never see him again. 
Right. Wondering and, what happens to him. Yeah, and, and you know, in there's been a lot of detective work on that trailer, and there's mm-hmm. clearly some concept art done by Ian McKaig that looks like a younger Yoda. Of yeah. course Yoda is going to show up in this 200 years younger. You have to have, you don't have to, but why would you avoid using such a well-known and beloved character if he can conceivably be around at some point? Right. I don't think he's going to be a main character, but will Yoda show up? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Um, and I think it's I think it's going to be a great opportunity to show the Jedi at their I, I don't I'm saying they're most perfect, but I don't mean that they're going to be perfect. But maybe we'll start seeing the hints of how they got to be extremely flawed by the time of the Phantom Menace. Yeah, we might see those cracks start to develop, right? Yeah. Uh, I just don't think. I, well, and I love this concept of before Palpatine and Plagueis really start turning the screw and mm-hmm. and things with the Jedi, like seeing them, what they should be, like kind of probably what a lot of us thought we would see from the Jedi in the prequels. Yeah. Uh, and the concept art they've shown off of like the Jedi in the this era is so cool. They're all like brown and like white and gold like their their jedi gear looks really cool and then that one that one piece of comic art where you just have them all lined up and there's a loath wolf there they all have different kinds of lightsabers and they're all different kinds of aliens and humans yeah i mean from the kind of alien that um well it's not in that specific one but there's the kind of alien that uh the Grand Inquisitor was. I can't ever yep. remember their species. Uh, a Powan. Yes. Uh, you have a Bith. You mm-hmm. have, of course, Twi'lex uh, or Twi'lex, however the hell you want to say it. Tran- Transdotions. Transdotions. A Wookiee Jedi with a cross guard lightsaber. Yep. Whose name is Burry. Yes. Burry Aga. You know what's funny? Yeah. You know the, the Star Wars name generator where you take like the first few letters of your last name and you know what i'm talking about yeah my yeah. star wars name is burry oh nice yeah so when i saw that i was like oh fuck yeah i'm a hairy dude that's my dude they better do you a, got figure. a new favorite character yeah already i'm in um just uh you know so we'll we'll keep moving on the next one this is a sort of a middle grade novel uh star wars the high republic a test of courage and if I'm not mistaken, there has been a. Uh, I thought I had it pulled up. Um, let's see. I thought for sure I had. I I uh, I have it here. Do you want me to? Yes, please. Okay, it's um, by Justina Ireland, and yes. it was released September eighth when a transport ship is abruptly kicked out of hyperspace as part of a galaxy-wide disaster newly minted teen jedi vernestra Wo, a young padawan an audacious tech kid and the son of an ambassador are stranded on a jungle moon where they must work together to survive both the dangerous terrain and a hidden danger lurking in the shadows sounds cool it yeah, sounds and- like the like we were talking about earlier this the event where everybody gets sucked out of hyperspace kicks off the story and seems to be the focus of at least wave one of all these books and comics. 
Right. And there's a the the cover of this. It's a little bit more you know dynamic than the other ones. It has multiple characters, and there is one droid who people are either saying is the droid from Maz's castle in The Force Awakens, yes, or Hu Yang from The Clone Wars. Mm. That'd be cool. Either one of those yeah. would be cool. Mm-hmm. It could also just be, end up being the same type of droid. Yeah, same the same class, but not the uh, exact droid. Then we have from IDW Comics. Uh, Star Wars The High Republic Adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's by Daniel Jose Older. That is going to be, if I'm not mistaken, sort of an anthology series. Yeah, those I, th- those IDW comics usually are. And the ones the other ones they've done aren't exactly, they're like quasi-canon. Right. They, they're fast and loose with the canon, yeah. I guess you should say. Yeah. I'm surprised that that's what they have... Uh, older doing because he he is you know he has done more novels Mm -hmm. well it's like charles sewell in the star wars realm at least is more known for the comics and he's writing a novel that kicks it all off so uh you know maybe it was just a matter of like well i know i normally do comics i'd like to do a novel or i know i do novels i'd like to do a comic right that's true uh and then we have from marvel comics star wars the high republic that's from cavin scott I think that's how you say it, yeah. What has he done? He did the... He's done a bunch of the Star Wars adventures for IDW. Oh, okay. And he then he did the uh, Dooku Jedi Lost audio drama. Okay. See, that's what I need. I needed a nice little reference point. I dug that all right. Uh, yeah. I, there were things I didn't like about it, but I, I, gotcha. liked, I liked what it was trying to do, and I'm always good with more Dooku, but that is, that is the very first time that we ever heard the high republic mentioned right and that's what's cool about them having worked on this so long we've brought up several of them on the mm-hmm. show but they have been laying little hints and references to the whole high republic thing for a couple years now or at least a year yeah um, and i like that i like that like uh, someone pointed out on one of the star wars reddits that in star wars adventures they mentioned the nile at one point Yep. Uh, so they've, you know, been sprinkling the terminology uh, in and out for a little while. Mm-hmm. And then we have the book that's going to kick it all off. Comes out in August, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Star Wars, The High Republic, Light of the Jedi by Charles Sewell. Uh, yeah. And this is the one that's got the the Wookiee Jedi yeah. on the cover. Uh, and... Am I mistaken? Are people saying that the lady who seems to be the central character, at least on the cover, uh, showed up in a hologram or a holocron? She resembles someone who showed up in holocron in the Rise of Kylo Ren issue three. That's what I thought. But Uh, it it, it's one of those things where, you know, the holocron, the comic page shows her in the blue and white. And so really, it could be any lady. Right. Okay, I see what you're saying. Would be cool if it if it was the same person. In uh, the synopsis that I have, maybe there's been some more information on this, but what I have is 200 years before the events of Star Wars: The Phantom Menace, in an area era of the glorious High Republic, the noble and wise Jedi must face a frightening threat to themselves, the galaxy, and the Force itself. Yeah. That is that whole that last little bit, and the Force itself. That's where it starts to get real interesting for me. Yeah, I think that was a placeholder 
description. Oh, okay. but I think I think it's still I think it's more of a description of the era as a whole. But I I okay. think it still applies. I I just don't whatever this threat to the force itself is. I don't think it's ships dropping out of hyperspace. No, it's. I think it's more along the lines of something like in in the Darth Plagueis novel. They say that one of the past, and I'm not saying this is what it is, but I think it's something like this. One of the past lords of the Sith was trying to engineer a way to cut the Jedi off from the Force. And I would imagine that would scare the Jedi. That would be something they would be afraid of. Right. Um. And that's sort of it for the first wave. They also showed off some other publishers that are going to be involved, and that in- includes, like, DK that does source books and stuff. So it looks like we're going to get, like, visual dictionaries and, and yeah. um, uh, like, um, fuck, what's the word I'm looking for? Art of books. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're going all in with it. They're really really supporting this thing and I like to see that because I like visual dictionaries and art of books so much and it doesn't look like we're going to be getting a ton of that without Star Wars mm-hmm. in the theaters for the next few years so this will fill in that sort of area of Star Wars for me quite nicely right and all of those books are are due out before the end of the year right yeah and they said that this was only the first phase right Right, so there'll be more to come next year because I yeah. think most of those come out by the end of the year. Yeah, and we are still going to be getting other Star Wars publications set in other eras. Matt Martin said that because you know we're still supposed to get Thrawn, mm-hmm. um, a few more of those books, the Alphabet Squadron books. So this is not the only era that we will be getting material from. No, which is nice. Yeah, and they uh, another book. I thought, like right before the event started, this book leaked out that seemed to be like a sequel to Myths and Fables or whatever. Uh-huh. And I saw people being like, "This is it. This is Project Luminous," but it's not. Uh-huh. It's not uh, involved at all. It's completely yeah. separate. It's just. Yeah. Thank <clears throat> God. Yeah, I know you were a big fan of that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I. I can't wait to see what they do with this. And I hope if it's really well received that we do see video games and movies and Disney plus series. Like how cool would it be if in a few years we start getting that kind of stuff set in this era. And if you followed along with the books and the comics, you already, you know, it's like reading all the prequels to it or something. Right. Yeah, I don't necessarily see them adapting any of this stuff, but if they do it, I hope it's a little smoother of a process where they take all of this tie-in material into mm-hmm. account. But I, I could see that being really cool and really neat to sort of get ingrained in this era of Star Wars, learn about characters and places, and then to see that pay off in live action or mm-hmm. a video game or animation or whatever. I, I just got to... I think that's where it's at, and I think that could be really cool. Yeah. So hopefully that's what happens. We'll see. Um, I, I, was just, I was just glad because it came out and seemed, seemed to get a pretty nice reaction besides the crazy people that were like, not pro-war. Yeah, um, I think pretty much I would say 90% of the fans I've seen – react online have been very positive even people who haven't been down with the rise of skywalker 
Um, you know, there are some people who think that it was a big buildup for not much. I don't really know what they were expecting, but I think it's a very positive reaction. And it was, you know, one of the trending topics on Twitter all the way through until the next afternoon. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just don't know that there's not more to come as far as stuff that's going to tie into this. Yeah. Uh, it's clear that this is what they want to focus on for now, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just going to take some patience in seeing where this goes. And I've seen some people, I wouldn't seen, say I've seen outright negativity, but I've just seen some people be like, meh, not for me. And that's totally yeah. fine, too. Yeah. Um, but it, like I said, it's got me excited. I'm going to get any of the books I can on audible and I'll order physical copies of any of the ones that don't have, um, audible or like audio versions and I'll get the comics and stuff. I'm all in on it. Yeah. And Um, I think the very first one is hitting like the day or two before celebration. Yeah. Which means it'll probably have a really hard to get super cool variant at celebration that I'm going to be trying to get in line for or something, but I'm down. I'll do it. Mm -hmm. Um, all right. Did you have anything else you wanted to hit on the High Republic stuff? No, I think I think we pretty much covered it. All right. Um, then, chronologically, this sort of came out Tuesday. Bob Iger, CEO of Disney, steps down effective immediately. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not a big CEO guy. I'm not a big history of Disney guy. So... Reading this, I was like, oh, weird. Bob Mm -hmm. Iger stepped down. And, you know, this is something we've heard about for years. I'm sure we've covered it a couple of times on the show where he extended his contract or decided to stay on longer. Mm -hmm. Um, Most recently, he decided to stay on for a couple more years to make sure the Fox acquisition went through. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when you look at his resume of the things Bob Iger accomplished, it's clear that, like, the dude was pretty damn good at his job. Mm-hmm. Under yeah. Bob Iger, Disney bought Pixar, Marvel, Lucasfilm, and Fox. Uh, all of which, except for Fox, yet have paid off for them. Mm-hmm. Um, developed Galaxy's Edge and whatever the fucking um, Avatar tie-in with Animal <laughs> Kingdom is. Which I hear is really cool, but Avatar, mm-hmm. whatever. Um yeah. And so I saw a lot of people freaking out and I, I won't say now that it's not a reason to be a little concerned, but the thing is, is I don't think if this next guy that takes over has bad intent for star Wars or isn't going to do a good job shepherding star Wars as the CEO of Disney, it's not something that's going to become apparent to us for a couple of years now. Right. We, we have no idea. And from what I've read, I think that it, they may have even said this in the news release. Iger is going to be staying with the company through the end of next year. As, but he is. Yeah. As, as the head of the entertainment division. Yeah. So he and he is going to be focused on creative and stuff. Yeah. Right. So that's what I mean. We've still got a couple of years before we even know what effect this new guy will have on Star Wars. And it could yeah. be ba- good. It could be bad. We don't know at this point. I was reading some, you know, articles and some tweets from people that are much more ingrained in the whole Disney thing. Mm-hmm. And it seems like maybe this new guy, Bob Chappick, 
in some ways is not the most well-regarded guy. Uh, seems to be some people think that he's not a big fan of new ideas or taking risks. Mm-hmm. Um, some people think that he's the reason that Galaxy's Edge was scaled back from the original idea of like a third ride and interactive storylines that go on inside the park. I I can't speak to that because I don't follow that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did read an article where Bob Iger said, I guess in the investors call that like he's looking forward to training this new guy on the entertainment division side of things. Right. So, you know, I don't think it's a sky is falling type of situation, mm-hmm. but we'll see, you know? Yeah. yeah. It, and you would think, you know, this new guy is going to have a lot to live up to because no mm-hmm. one's going to be able to match Bob Iger's, but Bob Iger's record, but you'd want to at least learn from him a little bit. Yeah, I would I would hope that if you were taken over for this dude who brought in the crazy successful Marvel Universe era alone, if it was just the MCU, yeah. you would want to take a page out of this book and be like, oh, okay, I see what you did here. I see how you ran this. We'll see. I hope it turns out well for Star Wars. Who knows? Maybe this guy is a, a big Star Wars fan and he will be, you know... A, a, I don't know. I don't know enough about this stuff. I know there is the general feeling that when Star Wars has been rushed under Disney leadership, it's because Bob Iger has been insistent on certain release dates mm-hmm. and things of that nature. So, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I know, you know, once again, anything like this gets the asshole boys on YouTube all up in a in yeah. a tizzy and they're talking about like new guy is gonna be hunting heads kathleen <laughs> kennedy fired guys kathleen kennedy probably will step down from lucasfilm before too too long she yeah. once again she extended her contract a couple years ago so the kathleen kennedy will no longer be with star wars at some point but it's gonna be I don't think it's going to be some big drama-filled thing where a new Disney CEO comes in and he, you're out of here, Kathleen Kennedy. Mm-hmm. I've been watching YouTube. <laughs> so we'll see. I don't know. I don't know, man. I hope this guy does well by Star Wars and it's yeah. nothing to worry about. Yep. I uh, hope. I think we all hope that. Yeah, for real. All right, I think we got one more thing to cover. Okay. And then we're good on the news. Hopefully I haven't missed anything. Uh, This comes from DiscussingFilm.net. This is not the parody site. Not not dick-sucking film. Yeah. Uh, This this came out today. Jonathan Freeman joins Cassian Andor, Andor series. We have learned that Jonathan Freeman is set to serve as cinematographer on Disney Plus's Cassian Andor series. Uh, Jonathan Freeman has previously served as cinematographer on Boardwalk Empire, Sons of Anarchy, Rubicon, The Jury, Damages, 50 Dead Men Walking, Five Flights Up, and multiple episodes of Game of Thrones, including Season 8, Episode 6 of the series. Um, I mean, that's just... It's good to hear they're bringing people on. Sounds like Cassian's moving along. I know... there was seemingly some sort of production c- trouble with Cassian. It didn't make quite as big of a splash 
or get out there as much as Obi-Wan. But yeah, once again, I don't think you hire a cinematographer if you're not moving along with the series. Yeah, and I would think that would come after the director. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, it was confirmed uh uh a couple months back that Tony Gilroy Oh, okay. is is being brought on to a, at least direct some of mm-hmm. The Mandalorian. Oh, I know something I forgot. Speaking of directors, uh the guys over at the Black Series Rebels mm. broke that they're hearing that both um Robert Rodriguez and James Mangold mm-hmm. directed if not full episodes, sections of The Mandalorian Season 2. Yeah. Now, do you think this is going to be like what Spielberg did with Revenge of the Sith? Oh, and just sort of came on set one day and was like, do this. Well, I I thought he was kind of more involved with like coming up with the animatics and the flow of the mm. scenes. It could it could well be. It could well yeah. be. Um, the interesting thing to... Are you ready for... Halls's conspiracy corner. Oh, of course. All right, so episode five of The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Toro Calican gets dusted. Pew, pew, pew. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to the desert and we see some mysterious spur accompanied footsteps. Okay. Maybe, maybe there's some static. Mm-hmm. It's Boba Fett. I think it's Boba right. Fett. It could be Boba Fett. Maybe it's Boba Fett. I'm hoping it's Boba Fett. If it is Boba Fett, wouldn't it be interesting to bring the guy who was at one time signed on to direct a Boba Fett movie that never happened to direct a sequence or an episode featuring Boba Fett, that being James Mangold? Maybe. Like, Think of the connection yeah. there. Is that a coincidence? Maybe. But it's... It's it's something. I think it's something. I think it's something to get m- moving around in your mind grapes, everybody. And yep. look, I don't want any of you guys in eight to ten months when Boba Fett shows up and they're like, James Mangold directed the episode with Boba Fett. Don't you be taking credit for this shit. <laughs> it's all Hawes. Don't you be taking credit for it. I ain't seen a single person be like, ooh, James Mangold, Boba Fett. There's probably been a dozen people. I just haven't seen it. So I get to claim ownership of it. That's how it works. <clears throat> All right, buddy. Well, I think okay. that does it for news. Do you want to move on to do emails and things of that nature? Absolutely. Yeah, it's running a little long. So what we'll do is we'll try to get through voicemails at least. Okay. And then uh, we'll see what we're doing on time. So give me one second. The only Jedi master who can crash box Running around slaying bitches with his cockhead. He's a big Surian stud. He loves to split chicks with his pud. To stroke his cone and suck on his balls. What you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge, but he'll be pumping spooge tomorrow. Cockhead! Blue Herb! Cockhead! Hasbro 
Gaga. Gaga. Will win. Gaga. Goose Pink. Gaga. G Money. Gaga. King Tom. Gaga. Joe. Gaga. Candy. Gaga. Gaga. All right, first up, we don't have a King Tom voicemail because King Tom's Sorry. on the show. It's like one long King Tom voicemail <laughs> that we can talk. I'm, and, even, I'm even sorry now. <laughs> we could talk and, and respond to. But when you don't have King Tom, who do you hear from first? Not King Tom, our buddy Tom Sutton. Let's hear what he has to say. Um, Here we go. Hi guys, Tommy in Sweden here again. Um, just wanted to clarify something. I actually am from Australia, even though I live in Sweden. Uh, I lived in Japan for 10 years and oh I've been God. in Sweden wow. for about seven years at this point. So uh, I am living in Sweden, but uh, like your boy Steel Saunders, I am originally from Australia. Uh, anyway, uh, I have a question for you guys. Um, in The Last Jedi, there's a piece of dialogue that uh, has always seemed kind of interesting to me. Um, the scene where you first see Ren going to talk to uh, Snoke in his throne room. Uh, Hux is um, basically leaving the throne room, uh, throne room after delivering uh, the information about active tracking. And uh, Snoke says something along the lines of... Uh, you wonder why I keep a rabid cur in such a place of power. Uh, a, a cur's weakness can be uh, become a sharp tool, something along those lines. Um, it always confused me a little bit because um, I read that as Snoke basically telling Kylo Ren or insulting Hux to Kylo Ren. Um, but that that description of Hux doesn't really work. Like, um, I'm not sure. I mean, Hux does have weaknesses, but I'm not sure that any of them were used by Snoke as a tool. Uh, but then it occurred to me that maybe he is kind of pretending to be insulting Hux while talking to Ren, while in fact actually describing Ren to himself. Um, kind of insulting Ren without Kylo Ren knowing that? Or is he just actually insulting Ren directly to his face? So what do you guys think? Is it A, he's insulting Hux to Kylo Ren? B, he's insulting Kylo Ren secretly to his face, thinking that Ren won't uh, realize what he's talking about? Or C, is he insulting Ren directly to Ren's face, knowing full well that Kylo Ren will understand exactly what he's talking about? All right, this is not King Tom, but pretty good Tom nonetheless, signing <laughs> out. He didn't know that, that King Tom was going to be on this episode. Look how Hi, not King Tom, but pretty good Tom nonetheless. I'd have to go with that title. I like that. Um, what do you think about this? Think First he... off. Real quick before I forget, Tom, not King Tom, but still pretty good King Tom. You lived in Japan for 10 years, which is like dream come true status for me. I don't know that I want to live in Japan, but I really want to visit. Yeah. Uh, 
What's the handicap accessible situation like in Japan? Do you have any information about that for me, buddy? If you do, drop me a voicemail for one of these episodes because I'm very interested in visiting. But that's always sort of a, a bit of a concern going somewhere new. All right, Tom. I, I'm very impressed with how well-traveled other Tom is. Wow, right? Yeah. Australia, Japan, Sweden, where next? He's going to live in Antarctica for a couple of months. Maybe the goddamn moon. Mars? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> All right. So, Well, when okay. you live in Alabama, going to Japan is almost like an undertaking of going to Mars in some regards. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this question, Tom? I think it's a good question. Um, while he was asking it, I actually, because I reread the Last Jedi novelization a few weeks ago, and I'm pretty sure, and I, I pulled up the novelization, but I'm pretty sure the answer is A. He is insulting Hux, but he's doing it, and this the novelization does con- confirm this. He is doing it to teach Kylo a lesson about using others. Um, and before this scene in the book, like Tom said, he actually has a conversation, but Snoke does with Hux about hyperspace tracking and how it's going to work and how even though, yeah, it looks like the resistance got away, they're still dangling on the end of a string. And Hux leaves with with Snoke pleased at him. And oh, I think, okay. yeah, even though... Um, even though there is that insult there, I think that he has the Supreme Leader's, leader's favor is a benefit. The one thing is, and this, this is, more, of course, more in the book that's in the movie that I think is an interesting touch, especially if you consider it, it, it is an insult. Hux thinks that Snoke's days as Supreme Leader are, are numbered. Well, just look at him. He doesn't look yeah. like he's in the best condition. Right. And uh, I think he sees you know, Snoke as a spiritual type fanatic. And soon when it's time for the first order to, to take over the galaxy it's going to be the military that wins out and it's going to specifically him. I gotcha. So, you know, without referencing the novelization, which clutch move, pulling that out, buddy, uh, I got it all on my phone. Perfect way to bring some context to that scene. I would have said that it might, was probably a mixture of both meaning he was insulting Hux, but it was also sort of a jab in the ribs at Kylo because two of the things that Hux and Kylo both seem to have in common are they're kind of un, unsettled, not what, unstable. Yeah. You know what I mean? They both sort of lash out and get into screaming fits and they have this whole headbutting thing. So that would have been my initial take on it but you bring it in the novelization clutch move there i can i could see that though i could see it being <coughs> both of them right it's it's it could you see snoke being that kind of guy where he's like talking shit behind one guy's back but about the guy who's in front of his face as well like mm-hmm. being like well it sounds like i'm talking about him but you're a rabid cur too and i keep you by my side for a reason mm-hmm. look at you freaking out and slashing up consoles when you don't get your way and shit yeah <clears throat> all right next up uh i think this is a some sort of response to the robo halls voicemail from last week let's okay. see what this is all right listen 
The Robohaz is an infiltration unit. Part man, part robot leg. I'm Reese, Sergeant Techcom, DN38416, assigned to protect you. You've been targeted for closed captioning by the YouTube Closed Captioning Defense Network computers. New, powerful, hooked into everything, trusted to stream it all. They say it got smart, a new order of intelligence. That robo-haz is out there. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear. It absolutely will not stop ever until all spiders and ghosts are dead. There was one man who taught us to fight, to storm the wire of the camps and crush box, to smash those metal motherfuckers into junk. He turned it around. He brought us back from the brink. His name was Mundy. Kia D. Mundy. Your son, Haas. Your unborn son. Well, Disney, if you need a pitch for another Star Wars movie, <laughs> I think we got it for you. It'll be a weird sort of real world mix where i guess jesse and i give birth to kia d mundy and he's the <laughs> sorry <saver>. jesse <laughs> yeah woof woof maybe that's yeah, why jesse never wants to have kids neither do i but maybe she had a the, premonition is that the kind of son you disown no man <laughs> you kidding me i'll be like uh at a christening and be like oh <laughs> we need some extra baptism water for <laughs> yeah. this kid Woo, look at that head. <laughs> Old five-head Burkhardt here. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have a voicemail from Utah Dougie. Dougie. Oz and Will, this is Dougie calling in with a fun fact. I'll bet you didn't know that town where you're not allowed to dance uh, is was filmed in uh, Utah about five minutes from my house. That's right. The legendary Kevin Bacon. And, uh, yeah, so I wouldn't want to go to a Star Wars night with a dance and be banned. And anyways, it would probably be pretty busy over there with the celebration in August. But if Blue Harvest ever did an off-season meetup, it, the crowds might not be as bad and you might be able to get on all the rides you want. Uh, I would be there in a heartbeat if you just put out the call, my friend. Uh... And my question was, with Star Wars, would you ever want to see a villain show up across, like, the, the New Republic era into maybe episodes 10, 11, and 12? Um, not like Palpatine, but more like a villain like Captain America, Frozen, Man Out of Time, shows up in one era, returns in another era. I think that'd be pretty dope. Maybe like a an ancient Sith or something like that. Anyways, I love the podcast. Sorry I haven't been as regular with my emails. It's just life. But uh, you guys take care. Keep it up. Bye. Thanks for calling in, Dougie. It's always nice to hear from you. Yeah. Uh, so his idea of this sort of man-out-of-time type villain, correct me if I'm wrong, King Tom, but didn't Star Wars do that back in the eu era am i mistaken and maybe you're not super familiar with this series but you know uh star wars legacy the comic mm -hmm. series that took place like i don't know 500 years after return of the jedi or something mm -hmm. the main villain of that series was a character called uh 
Darth Crate. Darth Crate. And yeah. if I'm not mistaken, he was a character that was introduced in a different Dark Horse comic during the original trilogy or prequel trilogy era. And he was a Jedi who was also a Tusken Raider. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And something happens where he goes into like a magical slumber or something, something involving the Yuuzhan Vong mm-hmm. and then shows back up in the legacy era. Yeah. Yeah, they kind of did something like that. There were other characters. I don't know how you say her name. Vergere. Oh, yeah. From, bird. Yep. You know, she was, I think she was held captive by the Yuuzhan Vong. And mm-hmm. then there was, he's a Jedi, but was it Master Kruk? With the hat. Yep. Uh, He was, I don't know what he, he was in hiding for a number of years. So. Yeah. They they sort of, and like when, what I'm trying to do is say here is if somebody else has had that idea for Star Wars, somebody in the new era, well, have that, Jesse just scared me. We'll have (sighs) that idea for Star Wars and we'll get, we'll probably see that show up sometime soon. And, you know, I could see yeah. them pulling that off in a cool way. Yeah, I think uh, some of some of the the use of it in Legends was good. Like the the Darth Crate, the, the being a sand person, and you know he used to be. I think I don't know if he was friends with Obi Wan, but he was acquainted with Obi Wan. Mm-hmm. And then to see him as this main villain, but then it being Legends and it being you know the dude from Nickelback as the big hero of the series, right? It, it was cheesy as hell. Um, but I think they could do it well and i know a bunch of people had problems with verger however you say her name she's a bird she was yeah she was a former jedi turned evil um but i think that i think that would be great as long as you establish the person in uh in both both cases but then again we kind of had someone we had a roth rothgar dang show up in the rise of skywalker (laughs) yeah my dude dingar yep uh, that's a series coming to Disney Plus next fall. My dude, Dengar. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, so, you know, I, I was going to ask if you remember this. This was early on after the whole Disney buyout. There was this rumor that the plot of Episode 7 was going to deal with Luke Skywalker guarding an ancient Sith tomb because there was a ancient Sith Lord or spirit or something in there that someone was either trying to resurrect or he was going to come back or something. Um, and I remember hearing that and this was, this was well before the time that I got smart and realized like what sources to trust as far as star Wars information went. And obviously it turned out to be all bullshit, but I always thought that inf- that idea was neat. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they decided to go that route for the big bad for episode uh, 10, 11, 12 eventually, I, I could be into that. I could be into resurrecting some ancient Sith Lord and he brings imbalance to the Force and our heroes have the call to action again and the shit starts all over. Um, it's it's a lot better than having a, a holocron tell you to go visit some 7,000-year-old Sith Lord who's still up and kicking, but no one's ever heard of him before. Right. Right. It definitely is. And then, you know, you definitely don't want to lose the Star War. Right. 
That's the last thing you want to do in a Star do not, War. Do is, not lose the Star War. Is lose the Star War. So, yeah, I, I'm not opposed to that idea. Uh, man, how badass would it be, right? If in a couple of years we're reading some book series, maybe it's even set during the High Republic or even earlier. And, you know, there's this defeated Sith Lord. And that ends up tying into episode 10, 11, 12, whenever that happens. Like I could see that being kind of cool. Yeah. Thus far, it has not been the kind of thing they've done with star Wars, but I would love to see them. Not even that necessarily that idea, but introduce some sort of concept that's relevant to the sequel to the sequel trilogy a couple Mm -hmm. of years before it happens. I just think that could be because you remember back (coughs) in the year leading up to, um, the Force Awakens, when everybody was looking for some kind of connection between Rebels and the Force Awakens. Yep. And, like, it didn't, nothing like that really panned out, but it would have been cool if they found a way mm-hmm. to make those things connect a little better. So, yeah. It'd be all, all about something like that. All right. We have two more voicemails. Next up, we got one from Jim. Hey, Oz and Will. Last week, I asked you guys uh, what your favorite land speeder or uh, land vehicle would be if you could take it home, and uh, I didn't exactly give you my example, my favorite. Um, The reason I didn't is because it's actually pretty hard. Uh, If you asked me years ago, then it would, of course, be the speeder from Jedi, I mean, period. Uh, But now, if I'm just getting a speeder, a two-person speeder, it makes me think, why not raise? Because... That thing is awesome looking. Uh, I love the the design of it, and I love the bike that's in Solo. The the like cop that chases him down, man, that thing, the big, very boxy thing. I think that thing's really cool. But if I think about it enough, I think the one that I'd go with is Hans M sixty eight that he stole, because I'd try and get tags on that thing and fucking drive it around every day. <laughs> but it's probably not possible. Um, so I wanted to ask you, do you think that a bunch of fans are going to fall off once Yoda's baby, the child, baby Yoda's name comes out? I feel like an eighth or a sixth of fans are just going to fall off as soon as they're like, oh yeah, his name's this, boom, people are going to, some people don't like it. Then as soon as he talks and somebody hears his voice, people are going to be like, I don't like it. And just fans are going to fall off. So Right now, this is as big, I think it's as big as it's going to get. Or what do you think? Do you think this show is just going to get more and more epic and uh, people are going to keep on uh, adding on to the fandom? But that's all. (laughs) You guys have a great night. Ignite the green. I wanted to add one more thing. Uh, Eric Struthers, like two years ago, uh, answered this question from, I believe it was Josh. Uh, And he gave the actual correct answer, which is an exact replica of the Millennium Falcon with uh, four tires on it. <laughs> so, yeah, I just love that response. But uh, I also wanted to know, I wanted to hear your guess on how many years you think the Mandalorian is going to run. I'm going to say six. Uh, I hope for more, but that's my guess. What would y'all's guess be? I know it's impossible to really, but you win a shiny penny for me if you uh, get it right. All right, gentlemen, have a good one. Oh, yeah. All right. 
Um, as far as the Baby Yoda thing it goes, I think you with anything in Star Wars, you're gonna have people disappointed no matter what. Yep. But I don't know that like a bad name for Baby Yoda is going to kill that many people's interest in the character. I don't know that, like, uh, what I'll use as an example is, as far as I know personally, people that are way into Palpatine didn't get pissed off when it came out that his first name was Sheev. <laughs> I didn't see a lot of people hardcore into the Palpatine fandom be like, well, <laughs> fuck me, I'm out. <laughs> um, But yeah, I, I don't know. Um. I don't think it will have that big of an impact. Yeah, of course you will have people that don't dig it, but I just don't see how like that would have the biggest impact on it because I know personally, anytime I hear a new Star Wars character's name, it takes a while for me to get used to. Mm-hmm. Like the first time we heard Poe Dameron and Kylo Ren and Ray and Finn. I was like, that's going to get some used to and get and getting used to Obi yeah. or not Obi-Wan Qui-Gon Jar Jar. But now these things are so second nature that I think whatever his name ends up being will eventually become second nature. Um, I think if the, the only way to have huge drop off in baby Yoda fandom is if they killed baby Yoda, I think that would piss so many people off and they'd be like, I'm done. <clears throat> but let's be honest, I don't see that happening anytime in the future. How? Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to say it's a delicate balance with Baby Yoda because you don't want it to be too much about him. You don't want to overexpose him or wrongly kill him or anything like that. But I don't think, I don't think the name will turn people off. Yeah. Now, how many seasons do you think the Mandalorian will run? I think maybe three. See, that's more in line with what I was thinking. Three, maybe four. Four if we're really lucky. Of course, mm-hmm. I'd love for it to go six or seven seasons. But, yeah. yeah. Um, I just, uh, recently, I find more value in keeping a series shorter than longer. Yep. Because I love Lost. Mm-hmm. But there's some episodes of Lost that could get cut out and you'd be all right. Or yeah. cut out or shortened and combined and things like that. And I don't want the Mandalorian to get into that territory. I'll mm-hmm. take as much as they want to give me, but it just seems like three or four seasons might be the the sweet spot. And then hopefully it runs three or four seasons or however long it is and has a, a just as cool of a replacement for an ongoing series. Because I'm convinced that both Cassian and Obi-Wan are miniseries solely. I, yeah, I think so. One of the best things that Lost did was when they went to Disney and they said, because um, Disney owned ABC at the time, they said, this is the story we want to tell. Just give us three more seasons and let us tell us instead of having us season after season after season. Yeah. And I think more shows should be doing that. And I think there is some of that done with cable. I think you had Game, Game of Thrones do that. But Disney is in a much better place with Disney Plus than Netflix is with the, the different production companies they work with because <coughs> Disney owns everything. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it's not like because I was reading this thing about how Netflix determines how many seasons to give shows and, you know, they cancel some too early. Uh, Disney doesn't need to worry about that as long as they have a good story. And I think the Mandalorian will just tell the story that they want to tell with it. Yeah. And then, you know, the problem you run into with an ongoing series is trying to ramp ramp it up season after season. Yeah. You know, you have so much cool stuff in season one of the Mandalorian. Well, how do you not take that up a notch? Right. And there's only so much cranking up you can do on that series before you run out of cool ideas or it gets into the realm of the ridiculous or things like that. So I think a shorter stay and a more condensed story with a clear start and end Mm -hmm. is probably more appealing than going on too long till it's long in the tooth and becomes a joke. Now, let me ask you a question. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Can there be a Mandalorian, another Mandalorian season or more episodes after the Mandalorian Mandalorian parts ways with Baby Yoda? Or is that the end of the show? That would be tough. To me, that would be really tough to to Mm -hmm. figure that out and keep people engaged because so many people love Baby Yoda. Right. I do almost feel like wrapping up the baby Yoda story is the end of the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, he, he's such a good character and is surrounded by so many other good characters. Mm-hmm. There's a, a wealth of stories you could tell post baby Yoda, but I just wonder, is that like when Richie Cunningham left happy days? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, is that at, at that point, is it, jumping the shark is 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 the point sort of gone i don't know i kind of feel like the end of the baby yoda storyline is the end of the Mandalorian, personally but I who could, knows yeah, i can see that all right one more voicemail for the evening and that is from our buddy rick hey oz and will it's your boy rick i uh got a couple questions for you guys this week first of all i hope y'all are doing well um so, a couple of things. Uh, last week we had the uh, the theory about Obi Wan, kind of the the clone thing and where that came from. I don't know exactly where the theory itself came from, but I remember hearing that one of the early drafts of A New Hope um, that Obi Wan Kenobi was more cybernetic due to like damages he suffered during the Clone Wars. Um, and I could be mistaken on some of the details here, so maybe it stemmed from something like that. Obviously, George Lucas changed all of that and made him, you know, Alec Guinness. Uh, second thing I wanted to bring up, this is a question. Hazi, I noticed that you've been doing some, putting up some videos on the, on the Twitter and uh, messing with a little bit of sound editing. And I'm wondering, are we going to start seeing some more video content on the old YouTube channel? Because if that's the case, can't wait if that's what you're doing. Uh, And lastly, with the big Project Illuminous uh, event, whenever you want to say we had Monday night, um, I had a question kind of concerning the Jedi as a whole at the time. And if the rule of two is still a thing... um, as we know it, and it, you know, it, it, it lasted for a thousand years or whatever. 
would the Jedi of the time, obviously now, you know, in this High Republic or whatever it was called before then that we don't know, would the Jedi during that time have considered the Force to have been in balance if they didn't know that the Sith existed? So, um, you know, they uh, you might not have been aware of a greater threat out there. Obviously, we know we've got this Nile, the Space Viking Raider kind of, you know, people. Um, but, yeah, just kind of wondering what the, uh, what kind of arrogance we might have had building into the Jedi of the time. And is this the actual beginning of the downfall where their arrogance and hubris was matched only by the strength of the Jedi themselves as far as their being guardians and keepers of the peace and all of that good stuff. So I'll, uh, I'll sign off with that, guys. I love the show. I love hearing you guys every week and uh, digging all the Patreon content that we've gotten lately. So I will talk to the both of you soon. May the Force be with you. Thanks, Rick. Um, so first off, yes, you will be seeing more uh, video content on the YouTube, and that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm practicing editing a little bit every day by making start little goofy Star Wars video with the eventual hope that I can do some more video stuff on the YouTube. That's exactly, you, you got it. You nailed it. Um, and, uh, you know, just trying to take a few minutes every day to chop up something that I think is funny or stupid. Just to get a little practice in. I don't post them all because uh, they don't all turn out that great. Um, secondly, you're right on about the Obi-Wan thing in the early uh, draft of Star Wars. Almost. Almost. Okay, yeah. here we go. Okay, the name Obi-Wan Kenobi didn't show up until one of the later drafts. I think it might have been the draft that they went with right before they started shooting. He's thinking of Kane Starkiller. That's right. Who was the father, was a former Jedi Bendu in hiding with his twin sons, Deke and Kane. Kane would become the hero of the original draft of the Star Wars. And Kane was trained by General Luke Skywalker. Um, I'm sorry. The son, the son was trained by... Uh, Kane was the father and he he was cybernetic and he gave up his battery pack that powered his electronic heart so that they could escape. Okay. Yeah. So, you know when Dark Horse did the Star Wars? Yeah, that's that's where this is from. Do you remember the scene that I'm I always remember reading this when I was a kid in one of the early drafts because it took me by surprise cuz they use shit the they say shit in some of the dialogue and i yeah. was like oh there was going to be like cursing and there's this scene and i believe it's when they're sort of meeting with the rebels and a character like rips open his arm to to show off that it's cybernetic mm -hmm. do you remember who i'm talking about and what i'm talking about i remember the yeah. panel from the star wars yeah cuz it was like it fascinated me as a kid and then remembered seeing and finally seeing it like in artwork and that adaption. Um, Rick, if you've never read the star Wars, that dark horse adaption they did of one of the early drafts of star Wars, it's fascinating. It is. You should definitely check it out. 
And if you have a Marvel Unlimited, I'm pretty sure it's on there too. It definitely is. Oh, Ambulance mm-hmm. just went by our house. <clears throat> um, now, the Sith thing in the High Republic is a huge question for me. Mm-hmm. King Tom and I have talked about it off air, like in DMs and stuff. I think the Sith factor into this story in some regard. They have to. Mm-hmm. Because we know, like, the Darth Bane, the Darth Plagueis, and, you know, whoever's in between, like, that was a long running thing um, that goes back well before the High Republic era. Mm-hmm. So, are the Sith ultimately behind whatever? is going on like not the face of whatever going on, but are the Sith influencing the Nile or the Nile pawns of whatever Sith Lord is around at this time? I think we will see some shadowy spooky doings by the Sith. And then the question becomes like, how do you handle that? Like none of these Jedi characters can run into these Sith and make it out alive. Because mm-hmm. if they did, they'd go back to the Jedi Council and be like, uh, guys, the Sith are chilling, chilling hard. And then that, of course, contradicts the whole the Sith haven't been seen in a millennia. So it, it's interesting. Um, I think the fact that Sith Empire is on that whiteboard shows that they're at least considering the Sith's role in the galaxy at this this point in history. And I'd love to know what the current, who the current Sith Lords are at this time, mm-hmm. um, and and what they're up to. I I have a feeling that will be explored at some point. Uh, now, whether the Jedi consider the Force to be in balance, I don't really know. I don't really the, know. I think, I think it's a great idea that the, you know, even though the Jedi are at their peak, there is a little bit of arrogance there where they think. They think that they are, as Luke says in in The Last Jedi, and maybe this isn't the the prevailing mindset, but there's definitely a thought where they have a monopoly on the Force. Right. I think we'll definitely see something like that. Um, But I don't know if the idea of the balanced Force prophecy is something that everyone holds or, as we see in Master and Apprentice, the, the, the Claudia Gray novel, where... You know, some uh, most Jedi dismiss these prophecies. Right. You know, maybe, maybe we see that prophecy be made in it, this era. It's, it's possible. Um, I don't remember if the book tells us how old it is, but I definitely love the idea of the Sith being around. Yeah. You know, kind of hidden and manipulating everything, whether it's the hyperspace thing or the Nile, the other Force thing. I think. I think they should definitely go in that direction, even if you don't use them in every piece. No. And and like I said, you don't even have to, you know what I think would be a good analogy to it would be how Thanos was used Mm -hmm. leading up to infinity war and Endgame. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a great, great way of putting it. Like we all knew Thanos was a thing after the first Avengers. I mean, you know, that was when he was established in the movie universe. But until Infinity War, he didn't do much except show up in some after credit sequences here and there or like little bits of 
you know, it was clear he was pulling the strings, but he didn't become a, a clear threat until later. So if they handled the Sith in a way similar to that, I think it could be really cool. And then, you know, for readers, we know, oh, well, we know how this ultimately pays off. This ultimately pays off when Palpatine comes around. You can even have some random f- batch of Force users <laughs> who are completely dismissed by the Jedi. And that could be this whole splinter Force group. Right, and have yeah. them encounter the Sith and try and stop them and... And fail. Fail, yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, it could be really cool. All right, so since we've had so much to cover and uh, things are going a little long, we'll do one email. This is from our buddy Steven. Guys, we'll uh, we'll get to the rest of you guys next week. You know we always get caught up. Uh, the reason I want to touch on Steven's is because I missed it last week. He sent in an email last week, and I completely missed it. So I don't want to leave him hanging for two weeks. And he says, Hey guys, like many in fandom, I have been doing a Clone Wars rewatch getting ready for the new season. Right after Revenge of the Sith came out, I loved Mace Windu and was all in for him. As I have now watched Episode 1, 2, and 3 many times and watched through the Clone Wars several times, I find myself liking Mace less and less each time he appears on screen. On the other hand, I had no use for Mandalore and the Darksaber when Clone Wars first came out, but each time it shows up, I find myself becoming more and more interested. So I was wondering if each of you have something that would fall into each of those categories, something or someone that you found yourself liking less and less, and something that is growing on you. Doesn't have to be Star Wars. It can be anything within Star. It doesn't have to be Clone Wars. It can be anything within Star Wars. Thanks for all you do, Steve. King Tom, do you have anything that fits into this category? That's a really good question. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Um, I would say, you know, at first, I absolutely hated this character and had no use for them. But now there's a small part of me, and I won't ever admit this at any other time but now, that, that, that enjoys the character while still hating them. And obviously, it's Kia D. <laughs> Buddy, that was one of my answers, but it wasn't like I had anything against him. I was just like, eh, whatever. It's that guy with the big head. But right. since the podcast, I mean, I've got a Kia D collection. Yeah, He's yeah. in every bit of artwork we do, stickers and everything. So, yeah, Kia D, obviously a big one for me. Um, I'd say one for me, uh, Plo Koon. N- mm. Didn't have much use for him in the prequel movies. Thought he looked cool. Always thought he looked neat. But it was just Mm -hmm. like, yeah, he's a background Jedi. But the way they handle him in Clone Wars really made me like that character, especially very early on in the first season where there's that whole arc where they get trapped in space and they're floating in the escape pod. Mm -hmm. And the clones are like, we're as good as dead. Nobody cares about us. And Plo is like, no, man, I care about you guys. We're going to get out of this. Like, I was immediately in on that character from that point on. And then it, you know, makes it even sadder when he dies in Revenge of the Sith and stuff. So that was one that I didn't have a ton of affection for, but then mm-hmm. grew to like a lot more uh mm-hmm. through the Clone Wars. Uh I'm trying to think of something that I liked but then liked less as time went on. There there are th- yeah, I'm trying to think of things like that too. There are things that I had great hopes for and you know whenever i see something star wars i i i go into it with an open mind wanting to like it 
but um, the myths and legends books. I, I think I called in you guys and said, oh, look at this. There's a Jedi fighting a dragon on yeah. the cover. And then I read it and it was just not my kind of thing. Yeah, there's that. Uh, you know, I'll say um, in the sequel trilogy, like Phasma, for seeing that mm-hmm. design, the shiny stormtrooper with the cape mm-hmm. and the cool looking blaster. And then they just didn't do much with her. The book helped. The Phasma yeah. book definitely helped. But uh, at the end of the day, it's a cool design that is kind of just a cool design. It makes a kick ass looking figure. Mm-hmm. But I don't have a lot of affection for Phasma past that. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, you could kind of say the same thing with Hux. Like, because Hux takes such a dramatic shift in tone between seven and eight. And I love how he's portrayed in eight because I like seeing douchebags like that get clowned around. But then, mm-hmm. you know, they don't do a ton with him in nine besides him being the spy. And I love that moment where he's like, I'm the spy. Yeah. And then the, you know, all their reactions to it. But once again, like, I don't have a lot of, like, I feel like, Tarkin is way more impactful with less screen time. Mm-hmm. I feel like Krennic is more impactful with only one movie and less screen time. Um, you know, just characters in that vein. So I would say those two, while like I was pretty in on both of those characters pre force awakens and after force awakens, like, yeah, just at the end of the day, it's another, it's a character in a list of Star Wars characters that's not going to be anywhere near my favorite. Not mm-hmm. my least favorite, but, you know. <clears throat> All right, buddy. I think that does it for us. Okay. Thanks for uh, taking the time to record with me this evening. Oh, no, thanks for having me on. Always great talking Star Wars with you. Why don't you tell our good people... All the places they can find our good buddy, King Tom. Social media, podcast, Patreons, wherever you can find him, let them know. Uh, Tom Chansky on Twitter. And then as far as podcasts, I'm on the Sith list. And then I do Patreon shows here on Blue Harvest uh, with Steel, Steel Wars and with the Bad Motivators. You can get King Tom a lot of places and they are all excellent. So I, I fully endorse going and checking out King Tom Thanks. and his many Star Wars endeavors. Um, uh, if you like our theme song, please be sure to check out the band. It was kind enough to provide the music. They're Stoned Cobra, and you can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. Uh, leave us a five-star iTunes review if you haven't already. We're getting so close to 200, guys. And until next week when Will will be back and we'll ask him what he's thought of Clone Wars so far and High Republic and all these good things. This has been Blue Harvest and I'm Hans Burkhart. I'm King Tom Chansky. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with us. <laughs>